Rachel, uh, you know, give yourself a pause, dance to some salsa music, and when you're ready. I can't believe there's fucking salsa music. It's no, it's so good. <laughs> it's charming. I usually it's put charming. in intro and outro music, but uh Maybe this is it? This is it. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Flynn. Hey, I'm Ned Donovan. This is at the table, a uh, quarantine podcast. We got the budget for a live band on this podcast. We did. We're so, so happy to be here today. You've just listened to Not you That Difficult. You have just listened to Not That Difficult. And you really enjoyed it, just to catch you up. And now we're going to talk a little bit with our two actors for our two-hander. I'm so, so happy to have both of these folks here today. You're going to get a double dose of our first guest here today because you're going to hear two episodes in a row with Todd. Is that right? That is correct. You will have a month of Todd. A month of Todd is basically what every boyfriend I've ever had does. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy. All right, Todd, can you introduce yourself to those listening at home and tell us where you're speaking from today? Sure, I'm Todd Buonapane. I am in Washington Heights, Manhattan right now. Austin's also in Washington Heights. Uh, We have been starting with this. It feels like everyone's kind of in a joyful place today, which is nice. I don't want to map that onto you. I'm in a joyful place because I had a breakfast sandwich and grits. From and the salsa music. And salsa music, yeah. So I'm having a good morning, but we are checking in a little bit. Like, how are you? How have you been since the world changed a lot? And yeah, how are things? Um, you know, it's hard to talk about what sucks when you are a person of somewhat privilege. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to pay for my life, but I feel like I have so much more than so many other people do. But it sucks, and it's really hard on your heart. I just had to make like a tough decision today. I was offered a chance to sing on Fire Island. And because of people in my life that are in my pod that have compromised immune systems, like even though I was gonna be the only person singing, I was still going to be upping my level of risk. And so I had to turn it down. And I'm happy to do that for someone, but I was like, oh my God, this was gonna be like the only source of a purpose that I would have. Yeah. Because I think that's what's so hard for all of us right now. The Republicans saying people don't want to work, I'm like, I would kill to be working right now. I would love to have a purpose. I'm doing things to feel purpose. I'm taking a Yale African-American history lecture. Yale has all these free lectures online. And so like, I do that every morning. I feel like I have purpose. And I do a plyo jam, which is like a jumping dance workout, which I, that's why I'm sweaty, because I did a one o'clock class and then signed on to this. And it's like, you know, it's a kind of like you're jumping and it's hard work, but it's the kind of thing that you can go like pow, zam, and like pretend you're Liza while you're doing it. And it brings me a lot of joy. So, you know, we're just trying to. Yeah. And I sing in the bathtub every once in a while. So that helps. Yes, me. you do. I would actually love to plug that really quickly. Todd created a really beautiful project at the very beginning of quarantine. What is the official title? Bathtub Theater, Theater R-E, the classy way. I literally got sent home from tour on a Saturday. I arrived at my apartment by like noon and knew I would get really depressed if I just sat around. So, and you were the one of the first people I talked about it with, Rachel. We were talking about it. But I, I just put on Facebook, would anybody be entertained if I made a video of me doing Bella's Act 2 monologue from Lost in Yonkers, which is the My Babies monologue, which is a great monologue. And I've watched so many wonderful women do it in acting class. And the whole time I'm like, I want to do that monologue. <laughs> and so I couldn't find a quiet place in my apartment. 
And I looked in the bathroom and I was like, well, the tub has a curtain. And so I sat in the tub. <laughs> and uh, last night I put up Bathtub Theater 69. But nice. I went classy. It wasn't crass. Um, mm. and it's a shame. I, they've gotten more musical. They've gotten Some of them have gotten very technical. I think I'm going to do Spark of Creation tomorrow where <laughs> I'm going to try and just be naked with a plant in front of me. Um, <laughs> just like, but like the thing is, it's silly, but I also like take the songs very seriously. I like, I did a big like cemetery Malin monologue from Steel Magnolias and it's hilarious I'm doing it, but I do it. I did a real good Rose's turn and I really went for it. I don't make fun of the material. My favorite part of watching them is you do not throw the material under the bus. You are taking each of these roles seriously as if you were contract to do it. And it is delightful to watch. We will have links to it available up on oh, our website. Oh, thanks. That's nice. I had a woman in Australia reach out to me that when their quarantine started, she had her drama class and didn't know how to run her drama class. And so she showed them a few of my videos and everyone had to do their own bathtub theater project for their class. That's awesome. And I was, I mean, I was so moved by that. And now I'm trying to raise money with them because we, like I took a break after George Floyd was murdered and after when more important things needed to occupy social media. And when I felt there was enough space for me, I've always had this like shelf behind me where I would just switch the props out and they were sometimes pertained to the song or the monologue and sometimes they were just utter nonsense. But now I try to use that space to bring your attention to something you can donate to for BIPOC peoples or for LGBT people, or even if it's just like, I put a phone number up, call your senator, just kind of calls to action and things like that. Cool. I've raised some good money and I don't know how many people are calling their senators, but I feel like about 500 to 1,000 people watch each of these videos. And if I can have 5% of them do something more, with that, then like we're passing it on, right? We're just trying to get people. Yeah. It's hard to get people off their sofas to do anything right now because yeah. it's like you said, not everyone feels creative. I just feel lucky that I did it right away. It <laughs> caught on on its own. And then I kind of feel like a good responsibility. Like the responsibility you have when you have a job and you have to get out of bed and go to it. Yeah, and totally. It's totally selfish too because like every time I post something, I get people telling me I'm wonderful. And like, in a fucking <laughs> quarantine, I really need that. Yeah, it can be all I spent 100 days alone in this apartment and I was Ugh. losing my mind. And if I didn't have random people on the internet telling me I was wonderful, and I mean, that can be shameful to admit, but hey, it's what I need to survive. So No, um, be where you are right now. Yeah. That's fine. That's okay, more than this fine. This is a lot of me. Can we talk to Austin now? <laughs> we will we will talk to Austin. Not yet. We have one question. We are going to ask Todd the at the table signature question, which is what is your favorite snack? But specifically for the quarantine art party series, what is the food or snack getting you through the quarantine? Okay, so my snack, it's it's so shameful, I feel like, because people in this quarantine have gone into two camps where a lot of people have like gained a little padding, right? And then there are some people that are like crazy cut. I mean, some people are like, I have all this time, I'm gonna work out. And I will say, I have done a workout 85% of the days in quarantine, and I'm very wow. proud of that. But most of yeah. them are like jumpy dance workouts, and 
What doesn't help is the amount of chips I want to eat later. I don't crave sweets at all. I want salty. I want savory. I went through a full two-month period where I invented something called midnight quesadilla, where I made a quesadilla (laughs) at midnight every night. Yeah, the fourth meal. Yeah, I can't not be starving around 11.30 midnight. And if I just went to bed, perhaps that's the way to handle it. But I, I am learning that the only thing that has kept me from not eating nonstop in life is that I was busy, that I was doing other things. And and food is really comforting to me. But a chip yeah. or a cheese. I mean, I ate two bags of Cheetos over two days recently. Flaming hot crunchies. Talk to me about your Cheetos. Brand. They were just regular crunchies. Um, my, mm. my favorite chip is the cheddar and sour cream flavored ruffles. It's a great chip. It's a good chip. If we were in Canada, it would be a run for the money because they have lots of fun flavored chips that we don't have here. Also, uh, healthcare. Lots of healthcare. Uh, Lots lots of healthcare healthcare. that we don't have here. Mm -mm. But also the chips. They can eat all those chips because then they can go to their doctor and get the heart pill later. Delightful. We'll probably come back to chips because that's just how this works. But Austin. Hello. Hello, would you introduce yourself to the folks listening at home and tell us where and how you are? Hi, I'm Austin Koo. I am also in New York, also in Washington Heights. Have you been in Washington Heights for the duration, Austin? I have. I did not leave. Same. How do you feel about that? I feel like I'm doing a lot of reflecting on not having left. (laughs) Yeah, actually, when it first started, my family that's in the Midwest, um, they're like, so do you want to come home? And I was like, not Really? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've built a life here and I have a partner here. It's been like, you know, 10 years and we have our apartment. And for the first many weeks when it was more hardcore shelter at home, we discovered our fire escape. Yeah, same. It's really opened up my eyes. I always said like, oh, we'll move when I can find a place with just a little outdoor space. Who knew that it would take an emergency for me to realize that I had an outdoor space? (laughs) My fire escape is a backyard and I never knew. You said you stayed, but how has the quarantine been going? I mean, like, we talked to a couple of actors who were like, I'm going crazy. And we've talked to a couple of actors who were like, actually, like, I discovered how much I love my little world in this apartment. How has yours gone? You know, I feel like I've been okay. You know, right at the beginning of quarantine, I got asked to participate in the Sondheim 90 thing, which was like the first. Oh, cool. You know, which was like the first big virtual Broadway concert thing for quarantine. And then from that, I've been doing like other benefits and virtual concerts and stuff. And that's kind of been occupying my time in a work way. And then in a home way, I've got my partner here and we've been cleaning and rearranging. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of cooking and recipes and kind of like domestic stuff. Have you found that comforting or was it just sort of like it filled the, what was the the onus of that? Like how stuff needed to get done or you really enjoyed it? Yeah, well, I mean, I always had enjoyed it and this sort of like kind of kicked it up to the, the next level because, you know, we weren't going out and everything. There is such a, a pressure and impetus on, on performers, especially to like, you know, make your own work and stuff. And... You know, I tried, I took an online writing course and 
um, was thinking about like, what kind of projects could I come up with? And, you know, I just wasn't having inspiration to create things. And of course, like Todd said, you know, like all the, the social unrest stuff happened and uh, in conjunction with quarantine happening. And it just like, I never felt like it was for me to make something. So then I needed something else to um, occupy my time aside from the things that other people were making and asked me to be a part of. So then I was like, well, I guess I'll use this time to self-reflect and um, see what other things I can do to improve my own home and myself as far as learning a new skill, cooking, getting back to, you know, I played violin and piano when I was little. So I was like, you know, I've got this keyboard. I still have my violin here. I'll like break out some of this old sheet music and, um, oh, cool. you know, yeah. And like, just like started practicing stuff again. And yeah, just sort of, just sort of finding ways to occupy my time that was sort of just within my own home. Austin, I would really love to know what the favorite snack or the favorite food getting you through quarantine has been, or has that shifted since this has been kind of a longer duration at this point? I'm curious. I was thinking about this. It depends on how you define snack. Any food that you can put in your mouth. Meals are allowed to be snacks. Yes. Because I was going to say, one thing that I realized that I have been doing, which I did not do before, is I actually have it right here hear the clinking on the voice memo is my boba which i discovered that you can make your own bubble tea really and so i've been doing that every day that's not like a labor intensive thing it is not at all one of the first days of quarantine you know i was like okay i gotta stock up if i'm gonna like cook and stuff like that so i went to the h mart and i was looking around and i saw they had these bags of dried boba I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll get one of these. And um, yeah, you just like soak them in hot water for like five minutes and they plump up and then you just put them in your coffee or your tea with some milk and sugar. And yeah, so I can have my bubble tea every day. This is delightful. What a joy. That is a life-changing excitement for me. Cause I don't I live near a VV. Tea. There are no VVs around uh, central Harlem that I'm aware Nor of. Or Flatbush, Brooklyn. Yeah. This is very exciting. Can I say something? I think I don't think anybody should feel bad about not leaving their neighborhood and not getting out of New York. Because Oh, sure. All yeah, of, yeah, yeah. All of the Upper West Side left New York. And that's why all the restaurants on the Upper West Side are shutting down right now. It's such a bummer. I'm, it's such a bummer. Like, I'm giving some delivery service to not I'm not giving delivery service, but I'm giving my what do you call that? <laughs> My cousin. Dollars? Yes, yeah, those are something I'm giving. I'm giving my dollars <laughs> to restaurants in my neighborhood. I'm not eating there. And I'm wiping everything down when it gets here and putting it in my own Tupperware because I'm a crazy person. But like, it's no, I good it to still. keep all these small businesses um, in business. And the richer neighborhoods, all those small businesses are shutting down. It's been, it has been a real journey, I think, of trying very hard not to it, it was the same with sort of quarantine and self-isolation and cleanliness at the bit cleanliness is a real value judgment term to be used but like <laughs> um which of your friends were seeing people or like which of your friends were wiping down groceries and weren't and um I had a dear friend who pointed out that everyone doing more than you was insane and anyone doing less than you was being like horribly risky, right? Um, and that this is a sliding scale and it's it's been an interesting navigation, especially now as people are leaving New York. 
because for a while I had a bit of pride. Like, yeah, we didn't leave. We didn't. And it, like part of it was like, where were we going to go? Like we didn't have the options. And part of it is like, we didn't have a very specific health reason to have to either stay or go. It's like everyone's doing the best they can <laughs> with the like situation that they're in financially and logistically and all of these things. And it's been really tough seeing the, the, the kind of industry discussion of it that I am interested in getting. I know we have to get to the play, but um, that has been really striking me is starting to see all of these Instagram and Facebook posts of folks leaving now from our industry and having to pack up their apartments and go because there's not going to be an industry here for them for a while. And for a lot of people, it might make more financial or logistic sense not to pay the rent here for the next year and wait. And I worry about what this means, especially in this hugely crucial moment as we're discussing um, equitable spaces and access and resourcing for theater uh, moving forward. Um, certainly with regards to race and with gender, but I also think socioeconomically, we have really big issues with um, socioeconomic uh, access, right? Class access um, in theater. And I worry about what this is gonna mean when the people who have stayed, have been able to stay to an extent, either because they have no other options or because they have the financial freedom and flexibility to be able to stay and what that's going to mean for the demographics of the people doing theater. And yeah, I, I don't know if there's, I'm just curious if this is something that, um, I, and I don't want to pry. So, but, uh, but, uh, if either of you have experience with looking at, you know, are you going to stay long-term? Are you going to go long-term? What do you think this might look like for you a year from now? Or if you want to talk more generally and not about yourself, that's fine too. I'm just curious. <laughs> Um, I, uh, if the federal government doesn't approve some kind of unemployment help, I uh, am going to have to talk to my landlord about renegotiating, which will be interesting. Um, yeah. I think I'll be able to survive a little while. My, my boyfriend um, and I were talking, and he's a therapist, so he's like... He's got more work than he knows what to do with right now. Um, <laughs> sure. Because everybody needs... Is he Sarah? <laughs> yeah. Is your boyfriend Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but um, he, we were trying to talk about, like, he wants to, like, get a house outside of the city this fall. And, like, you know, and, and I'm just kind of burying my head in the sand and not ready to talk about that stuff. Um, sure. And... Austin is I'm, is it seems like shaking his head no but in agreement. So. But like now I'm gonna say something yeah. that he said that he didn't mean to say that he didn't mean to word this way, but like made me spin out in the craziest way. He said, "Todd, we have to be able to talk about what will happen when you inevitably run out of money." It's and horrifying. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> which is like, Ooh. I don't know. Ooh. I mean, you just never expect the industry to be gone, right? You never expect it to go away. I expect large swaths of time to go by where I'm not participating in. <laughs> but, just tremendous amounts of time where Broadway is just not inviting me. But I know how but, to, I, I know how to survive on the outskirts of the industry too. I mean, I have been yeah. lucky and I've made a living in this industry, but I've had months of, at a time where I teach and I'm mm -hmm. a great teacher and I teach at colleges in town, but I was, uh, 
I can't say I turned down a job because I don't want that on the record for unemployment. But um, one of the colleges I teach at was like, so we want to gauge your interest before we offer you something. And there will be one day of in-person instruction where the students will be singing. And I was like, no, I won't do it. Yeah. And I, while I don't come from money and every, I am like solidly a blue collar theater actor. Um, I am at least privileged enough to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm also dating a man with money. So that helps. Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) But like, basically he wants to take care of me and wants me to not feel bad about it. I can go with him if you need. I, I yeah, don't. I, 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 my, my DMs. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Please. If, if I have I've to only, move out I, of the city with Sarah. No one attracts poor people like this guy. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I lived in LA for three years. I never even went on a date with a guy that had a car. In LA. Um, but. In LA. Yeah. I mean, it's something we, we're going to have to figure out. I don't, I, I don't know. It's cause like, I almost feel like it's dangerous when they talk to talk to us about, um, how a vaccine is going, you know? Cause I'm like, yeah, but we may not have that till a full year from now, or we might have it in December, who knows? But like the December is probably not going to happen. And it, it's almost dangerous to give us hope. I don't know. No, I hear all that. I don't think there are easy answers. Is this something on your brain at all, Austin? Or is this something... I think there's there's a lot of, uh, for me, comfort in thinking, like, I will not think about that for a while, but I'm curious. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the thing is, I, you know, I think I'm in a uh, an unusual for New York situation, which is that I've been in the same apartment in Washington Heights since I moved here 10 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. What? And, you know, I... I lucked into, you know, like a a nice rent stabilized situation. I mean, I don't own at all. I'm, I'm renting, but, um, you know, I've been here so long and they don't raise the rent. So like, I have a great deal where I am. Um, so I like, I never want to leave. No, yeah, don't. (laughs) You know, like, and even (laughs) if I, you know, because, you know, we talk about these, uh, our friends who are, like, having to give up their apartments or, like, not wanting to pay rent so they, you know, they, they go so they can give up their lease and, and not pay while they're not here. But, like, for me, it, it, I almost feel like it makes more sense just to, like, stay here. And kind of like Todd was saying, so my my boyfriend has a, a regular job and is working from home still right now. Um, and he, you know, is talking about real estate like oh yeah you know let's move to a nicer building in Astoria or you know let's look at places upstate or whatnot and I'm like I don't I don't want to give up my my beautiful little Washington Heights apartment that I've been in for 10 years yeah no way that's my situation no I totally hear that um but I, I do think turning back to uh more serious topics I do think it's interesting something you mentioned Rachel that um yeah, it's 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 almost a, a a paradox how you know the pandemic sort of gave space for like you know the the Black Lives Matter movement and everything to like sort of come to a head in the protests because you know people weren't you know occupied with with working and things like that a, a lot and were able to um, come together 
for those kinds of protests. But then at the same time, I think because the pandemic is going to be really interesting to see if industries are going to be able to change as a result of of that turmoil, because what's going to come back most easily are the the things of of privilege and the people with privilege. So it's it's a very that's that's a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. yeah, one of my other absolutely. companies, um, you know, Charging Moose Media, my company that, that we produce this podcast through, I have a second company called Audition Cat, and we're building career management tools and audition man- management tools for professional actors. And um, we have been doing this for a couple of years, and then, you know, we built a bunch of tools that right now aren't all that useful when there's not a lot of auditions to play around with. And um, something that we've been talking about is trying to figure out, like, well, can, what's auditioning going to look like when, when this finishes right like we're the goal is not to go back to a thing that a lot of people said was broken in some regards so how can we fix it during this time that we don't have it how do we move forward and one of the things that i'm very passionate about is uh, i'm very fortunate i have a day job i had to leave the industry for some reasons and then i found a day job and a, a career path that allows me to continue to be in the industry and pay my bills through other means Ned, did you say and, a career um, path or a queer path uh, the 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 queer the queer path was not what I said, but it is what I said okay. now. And uh, and so uh, and for me, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is in this movement of pandemic auditioning. As we're trying to get people working again, the self tape has skyrocketed even more than it already has, and that has created a, a, a class issue of just like access to resources that make a better self tape that have exactly nothing to do with your talent. And um, uh, and I'm very passionate about it because, you know, I have a rig. I spend a lot of my career podcasting and I- I'm able to make self-tapes at a certain quality because I-, I work in film and podcasting production. But a lot of my friends who are some of the most talented actors I know will send me their stuff being like, can you help me mix this better or like color correct this so that like the crappy camera I have holds up against other people. And for me, this is a, 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 we can't take a moment where an industry collapses and we lose so much uh, uh, in the audition world for all of us. And we make a system that is fundamentally harder to get into from a barrier to entry perspective. Like we can't take that step. And so this is something that I've been really passionate about is how do we make sure that as we're trying to rebuild auditions to work right now, we're not accidentally pushing into a different kind of Sure. Well, and if we leave them to a default, that's all we're doing anyway. I mean, yeah. I, I my commercial agent, there are still commercial auditions, but they will literally say, do you have these devices? Do you have golf clubs? Do you have a yard where you can do this? Do you have someone else that can shoot you? You know, there's always been like, As- do you have a child to be in a, something with you? And that's fine. I don't. I don't want I, uh- one. Um, no amount of commercial could pay me is going to pay for the life of a child, so I don't want it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so much of our industry is who has access to it. And I'm just trying I to say... I've been so many commercial auditions that have been like, must have your own director of photography. What? Yeah. I, I had a, um, an audition last week for... Uh, for a, a network show that's going to be doing some of their like one-off characters via Zoom, like via Zoom conversation, which I think a lot of us are doing right now. It's like, oh, look at this show that's entirely happening on Zoom. But one of the parts of my self-tape was taking them on a guided tour of my apartment. 
to get a sense of location options. And it was like, well, I'm not going to get this, but you know who is, is somebody who also puts in a good tape and has a very nice uh, designed with a view apartment. Like that's what's like, my, my, my place is very nice. I'm very proud of it, but like, it's a wonderful space. It is a builder's grade apartment that I have decorated. <laughs> like that's what it is. And I think about that as you were saying, uh, I think both of you spoke to this a little bit, but um, Todd, you were talking about like ta- coming from a place of privilege. Like it is strange to be looking at these things from a place of, I feel like we have plenty and we're doing okay. And our biggest concerns have been sort of cooped up and boredom. And like, those are good problems to have um, on a sliding scale. But in terms of access and resourcing, if I'm already feeling the pinch and I'm not on the lower end of like ability to resource and do my own stuff, the the industry is already reshaping around this new kind of only digital only um, medium, at least for the next amount of time. So if we're not putting any thought into it, it's just going to reshape around the same barriers of entry and and shitty shittiness in terms of. Um, generally just like shittiness around like money and who has money and who has the ability and the time and the whatnot but like in a time where we need to fight for this industry to be more equitable and to be uh much more accessible to people who want to enter it like the ways that i have seen the pandemic reshaping our industry feel like steps backward yeah in that regard yeah I mean, let's I, do a play. Let's do a play. Let's, let's do, do a play. play. Let's do a play. <laughs> I'm so um, sorry to darken the world. No, no, no. It's good for us to talk about. It's it's also a nice foreshadow for Todd's next episode where he's going to come back really dark. This is going to be. Really <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is a a, a character choice. Um, I'm sorry. We we that was longer than we usually go for the interviews. But we uh, thank you both for so, so much for for your thoughts on all of that. Sure. Um, and it's just delightful to getting to talk to you both. So, um. Uh, you already listened Everyone's... to it, so uh, yes. people at home, thanks for listening to our interview portion, and we're definitely not about to go record the play. <laughs> yeah, the play's totally been recorded by now. You loved it. Austin, you're my favorite person I've ever worked with. You were so good in the play. <laughs> Thank you. You were brilliant, too. You, your, your choices you just were... amazed me. <laughs> I thought you were both totally good. <laughs> You've been listening to At the Table, a play reading series produced by Charging Moose Media. We are hosted by Rachel Flynn and Ned Donovan. Our artistic director and senior producer is Rachel Flynn. Editor is Ned Donovan. Associate producer is Megan Bagala. Music by Marcus Thorne Bagala. Thanks to our cast, Austin Koo and Todd Buonapane. To learn more about them, visit our website at chargingmoosemedia.com slash podcast. Be sure to listen to our full Playwright interview episode releasing next week. You can find us on social media at At The Table Plays. Please connect with us. See you next time. <laughs>